Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's blood dripping everywhere. Nature's deadliest organisms. Just the name of it sounded scary. They hijack our bodies. These parasites wreak havoc in the bloodstream. Disable our immune systems. That was a rough, rough day. And eat us from within. They look like death warmed over. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Newlyweds Lizzie and Anthony Branch live in the quiet town of Clayton, North Carolina. Lizzie's my soulmate. I love her more than anything else on, on this earth. We enjoy working out together. She always challenges me, always brings out the best in me. We work really well together as a team. I'm more the creative type. Anthony's more logistics. He's more details. Uh, I pick the color of paint, and he paints. Anthony works at a biotechnical lab, and Lizzie works as a counselor. They're settling in to married life. Anthony and I are very excited. We purchased a new home. It's a nice three-bedroom, two-bath house. It was built like maybe six months before we bought it. We are excited to start our, our married life here and maybe even one day have children here and become a family. It's an early morning in November, and Lizzie is in her office waiting for a client to arrive. It was around 8 or 8.15. I was sitting at my desk, and I felt kind of groggy, almost like I didn't get enough sleep. But all of a sudden, I felt this searing pain just on the right side of my head. I was having to kind of squint my eyes. I didn't have anything for a pain medicine or a pain pill to take for my headache. I told my secretary at that point, I don't think I can make it through the whole day. Lizzie leaves work early and heads home to bed. A few hours later, Anthony comes home. I walk into the bedroom and turn the light on. She's like, no, stop. The light made the headache 10 times worse. The intensity of the headache was so severe that it scared me. I turned the light off, didn't know what was wrong. I just figured she'd sleep it off and, and sure she would be fine tomorrow morning. 
Sure enough, the next morning, the headache fades. A few weeks later, Lizzie is at work. I was in my office, sitting across from my client, and she was sharing her story. When I realized that my memory was not as efficient as it was before, I couldn't recall simple details that normally I would have no problem recalling. I was embarrassed as a professional. Not remembering something from seven days ago is really scary. She wasn't herself. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was, what was wrong with her. For the next few weeks, Lizzie continues to experience problems with her memory. Then, one morning, she has another odd sensation. I woke up and I had just sinus pressure. It was unlike the initial headache I had. I was blowing my nose, sneezing constantly. I just felt helpless, I mean, and I was, I was definitely concerned. I figured I needed to go ahead and see my doctor. Lizzie's doctor believes she has a sinus infection and prescribes her antibiotics. But for seven months, her sinus condition mysteriously comes and goes. Then one day in fall, something new blindsides her. I woke up that morning and my hands felt like they were on fire. So I glanced down at my hands and noticed there was this red, almost weldy looking rash. I was obviously very concerned Well, came to and said, look at my hands, like what, what is that? That's not normal. I had never seen anything like it before. I felt like I couldn't do anything to help her. Lizzie returns to her doctor, who gives her a steroid cream to combat her rash. But then, the couple experiences a new twist. Lizzie and I were at home. Uh, we were watching a, a movie. When I raised my hand up to, uh, to touch my nose, there was blood on it. Anthony grabs his, his nose and he jumps up off the couch. And he goes, I need your help, I need your help. Panicked, freaked me out. And there's blood dripping everywhere. I ran up, got some toilet paper, and just held my nose together and tried to stop the bleeding. It, it was just, it was strange. It was really, really strange. I'm standing there thinking, what the heck just happened? I had just gotten over this rash on my hands and the struggle with sinus infections and thinking, oh no, not him. Like, what's wrong? I'm, I'm the one that's struggling with this. He can't be struggling with something too. The nosebleeds continue to plague Anthony for several weeks. Then Lizzie finds him in the living room. I had the shortness of breath and I just could not get a good deep breath. I had never had problems with breathing, so I was like, what's going on? I felt horrible. Yeah, I was scared. He just had this almost scared look on his face. And I said, does this ever happen before? Like, he was like, no, I, I don't know where this came from. I decided it was time to go see a doctor and get some help. The next day, he meets with his physician. The doctor diagnoses Anthony with asthma and gives him a steroid inhaler. For the rest of the fall, Anthony continues to have nosebleeds and breathing trouble. One afternoon, Anthony is out running an errand for Lizzie 
while she prepares dinner. I gave him a short three or four item list. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll grab that for you. Hey. He comes home, walks to the door, nothing. Totally did not even remember that I had asked him to go to the grocery store. I had this brain fog. Just couldn't remember things clearly. Everything just seemed kind of fuzzy. I was very concerned. Didn't know what was wrong. We finally realized that we both have similar symptoms, so we knew something was going on. We just didn't know what was causing it. That was definitely the darkest, the darkest time. Newlyweds Lizzie and Anthony Branch are both suffering from a string of strange symptoms. After months of uncertainty, they pay a visit to toxicology specialist Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Lizzie and Anthony had so many health symptoms. The most important test that I do is called visual contrast sensitivity. A visual contrast sensitivity test utilizes a grid of patterns to check the brain's ability to detect subtle color contrast. He runs the test on both Lizzie and Anthony. Now I can only see maybe half of the chart. We both failed miserably. Based on this and their numerous symptoms, Dr. Shoemaker reaches a stunning conclusion. I diagnosed Lizzie and Anthony with a chronic inflammatory response syndrome from this group of fungi called Aspergillus. I had never heard of Aspergillus. What is this? Um, I had never heard of that before. Inside Lizzie and Anthony's body, the Aspergillus fungi attach themselves to the moist lining inside the sinus cavity. There, the fungal spores spread to the lungs, where they colonize the air sacs and release toxins into the bloodstream. The toxins cause a severe inflammatory response across the body and brain, leading to rashes, sinus infections, and cognitive problems. I was shocked. That's just disgusting to think about. There's mold that's circulating throughout your body. It was extremely dangerous what we had. It was scary. Aspergillus is most often mistaken for a respiratory or sinus infection. But once it's in the body, the fungus can spread quickly. 10% of infections caused by Aspergillus reach the brain. When that happens, it can be fatal. This is a multi-system, multi-symptom illness. This was not a minor problem. This was massive. Dr. Shoemaker prescribes a grueling regimen of medications. But that's not all. The doctor suggests that Lizzie and Anthony hire a professional to examine their home. The mold inspector showed us that aspergillus was in very high concentrations, not only in the air that we were breathing, but on all the testing that he did on the walls and the furniture. So what, what actually made us sick was our home. Aspergillus spores thrive in damp environments. Inside the home, the fungus can flourish in insulation or heating and air conditioning ducts. A well-functioning immune system can usually combat the spores. But those with weakened immune systems 
or people who take immunosuppressant medications like steroids are more susceptible to the fungal infection. Not only are both Lizzie and Anthony on steroid medication, but water damage beneath their house has created an environment where the fungus is multiplying unchecked. It was really frustrating because we had this new home and, and thought it was healthy and safe for us to be in. Everything passed inspection before we bought it. And the couple's ventilation system is spreading the spores throughout the home. I told them they must leave their home. Their personal possessions, most of them are trash. They salvage the few things that they can and sell their dream home at an enormous financial loss. We had to, had to start over. I mean, we lost everything. Leaving our house, leaving that night and going to our friend's house, shutting the door on all that we had and stepping into an unknown future. You know, we, um, we did lose a lot. In a mold-free environment, Lizzie and Anthony slowly get their health back. Today, 12 years later, Lizzie and Anthony are still affected. Anthony and I are still very susceptible to mold. We have to be really careful about re-exposure. We have to be really careful about places we stay, restaurants we frequent, uh, buildings we work in. They also have two healthy children, and they are determined to protect them from the dangers of aspergillus. With our new home, we have spent a lot of time and money and effort into preparing it to be a mold-free environment. Even though we lost so much, um, we gained a fight, a vigor for life. Because it's so pervasive, it's impossible to avoid the aspergillus fungus completely. But to prevent prolonged exposure to the fungus, Homeowners should inspect heating and air conditioning systems regularly for mold. I said, he's dying. To find out that there's a bug living in your body is terrifying. Kathy Hoffman lives in the small city of Marshall, Texas. She's been with her husband, Ed, for 40 years. They are both retired, but they keep busy. We don't really think of ourselves as retired. We like to volunteer. We do a lot of things with our family. Though Ed volunteers as an elected member of the city, the couple's main focus is their three children and three grandchildren. We're a pretty close-knit family. We try and go to any of the grandkids' sports or plays or dance or anything that they're in. But that's not all that keeps them on their toes. We love to travel. We travel as much as we possibly can. We try and eat right. We try and stay fit and keep moving. Because if we keep moving, we get to keep traveling. It's January. Ed and Kathy are on a winter getaway in Puerto Rico. On the first morning of their trip, the couple are having breakfast at the hotel restaurant. There was a big buffet with fresh pineapple and strawberries and all kinds of wonderful things on it. And Ed hardly ate anything. Normally, he would have a half a plate of that. He lost his energy. This was not like him at all. 
I was starting to worry. For a week, Ed's lethargy and lack of appetite linger. Then the couple returns home to Texas. There, his appetite takes a strange turn. We got home, and all of a sudden, he got this craving for fast food. He wanted greasy fried fish. We don't eat any of that stuff, and we haven't for years. But all of a sudden, he's a junk food junkie. That was a strange thing. But despite Ed's new craving for high-fat foods, Kathy notices something else unusual. I could see him losing weight and going down pretty fast by this time. It was getting so bewildering. And a few days later, Kathy goes to pick Ed up from a city commission hearing. When he came out, one of the other commissioners was helping him to the car. He was having chest pains. At that point, I just knew something was drastically wrong with him. With her husband, Ed, suffering severe chest pains, Kathy Hoffman is convinced that he's having a heart attack. So she rushes him to the nearest hospital. I went in and I said, my husband's having chest pains. And man, he was in the emergency room and stuff stuck on him and before I could hardly blink. The doctor ordered blood work. She ordered scans. And the doctor makes a surprising discovery in the scan. She said, your spleen is hugely enlarged. The spleen is an abdominal organ that filters and purifies the body's blood supply. This enlarged spleen was pushing on his diaphragm, causing chest pains. It wasn't, wasn't the heart at all. Doctors suspect that Ed has a bacterial infection, so they prescribe a course of antibiotics. What a relief at that point. <laughs> For the next few weeks, Ed tries to recuperate, but he doesn't completely improve. We had told the grandkids that they could go to Washington, D.C. over spring break, and they were so excited. But Ed kept telling me he just could not do it. And I wanted to cancel the trip, and he would not let me because he was not going to disappoint the grandkids. Kathy leaves Ed at home with family and friends and proceeds with the trip. We were outside a souvenir store, and all of a sudden, one of these friends called and said, he is really much worse. I was kicking myself for going and not canceling this trip. I would tell the kids, we gotta pray for Grandpa. Grandpa's gotten really much worse. Kathy cuts the trip short and flies home immediately, while Ed is rushed to the hospital. There, pathologist Dr. Robert Palmer takes over his case. He looked like death warmed over. Doctors run numerous tests. But we really couldn't figure out what was going on. It was a total mystery. At the hospital, Kathy arrives to a shocking sight. When I saw him, he was 
confused out of it. He was a sick man. He was actually deteriorating real fast. He was losing a lot of weight. He was running fever. He was going to die with his disease or whatever it was before we had a definitive diagnosis to treat it. That's scary. So Dr. Palmer makes a drastic decision. I said, he's dying. We have got to do something now. Let's take him up to surgery and take the spleen out, and maybe we can figure out what the problem is. You can live without a spleen. I didn't say goodbye. I said, I love you. It's going to be okay. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In the OR, surgeons labor for hours to extract the spleen. Kathy sits anxiously in the waiting room. Some of the family was there. The surgery seemed like it took a long time. But the doctor came out and told us that that spleen was three to four times as big as it should have been. But he got it out. The surgical team brings the organ to Dr. Palmer's pathology lab. When I looked at the slides under the microscope, I saw some little blue dots. What is going on here? What are those little blue dots? I started taking out a pathology book. And that's when I found Ed Head Fischel Lesmoniasis. Leishmaniasis. Just the name of it sounded scary. Visceral leishmaniasis is caused by the parasite Leishmania donovani. Inside Ed's body, the Leishmania parasites invade his white blood cells. There, the parasites multiply, causing these immune cells to burst. As Ed's spleen struggles to filter out the growing parasitic colonies, the organ swells. 
Meanwhile, the parasites spread rapidly, depriving Ed's body of vital nutrients, contributing to his lethargy, cravings for high-fat foods, and dramatic weight loss. To find out that there's a parasite living in your body is terrifying. Leishmania parasites are responsible for up to 30,000 deaths worldwide every year. One of the reasons the parasites are so deadly is because they have a special coating that prevents the host's immune cells from attacking them. By directly compromising his immune system, the parasites are coursing through his body unrestrained. Ed's spleen may not be the only casualty. He was gonna die. Oh my gosh. Leishmania parasites are pushing Ed Hoffman to the brink of death. To save his life, Dr. Palmer must use chemotherapy to attack the parasites across his body. He had a bug that was acting like a cancer. The chemotherapy will attack the leishmaniasis organisms anywhere they are. Day after day, Ed endures the brutal treatment. It's awful to sit there and watch that drip all day. It was a terrible worry. How, how do you know that they got this? Ed's family and friends gather at the hospital. Then, after five days, Ed's condition dramatically improves. They were wheeling me down the hallway, and I seen a hallway filled with people. My family, my friends. There must have been 20, 25 people there. I think all them people were there because they cared about me. Leishmania parasites typically cycle between female sandflies and mammals, such as humans or dogs. When an infected sandfly takes a blood meal from a mammal, the parasites enter the mammal's bloodstream. There, the infection often takes several months to develop. Leishmania parasites are endemic in tropical and subtropical regions across the world, including Central and South America, and even Southern Europe. For this reason, doctors believe Ed didn't contract his illness in Puerto Rico, but elsewhere on a trip six months prior. We were traveling throughout southern Spain in the rural areas, and that's where I must have been bitten by the sandfly. To get so sick from, from such a little thing and have it do so much damage is pretty amazing. The next day, doctors discharge Ed from the hospital. And today, three years later, Ed Hoffman has recovered. Life for a spleen, I'll take it any day. My survival through this thing is the love of my family and just my belief in God and damn good doctors. I have my husband back and my favorite travel companion. To reduce the risk of infection, the CDC recommends that travelers in regions where sandflies are prevalent should use DEET-based insect repellent and sleep under a bed net. I wouldn't give up on him. This was the worst night of my life. 
Jennifer and Doug Taliber live just outside Baltimore in the suburban community of Lutherville, Timonium. Jennifer is love of my life. Something in there is intrinsic. I just, I just love her. Doug is very compassionate. We, I think, really make a good team raising a family. They are working parents with three young children, 10-year-old Megan, 8-year-old Mason, and 6-year-old Zachary. Megan loves sports. She's very athletic. Mason is the more sensitive one, and Zachary can be a pistol sometimes. Zachary is a precocious little guy. It's an active household, and the children have a number of pets to care for. We have three guinea pigs, three fish, and three rats. It's a good life lesson for getting them in tune for a little bit of responsibility at a time. It's early November. Doug and Jennifer bring Zachary home from a play date. It was a Monday evening, and he had had dinner at his friend's house. He looked like he was, you know, running a little slow. So we took his temperature. He had a slight fever. Nothing really to be worried about at that point. I just thought, you know, a good night's sleep would do the trick. The next morning, Jennifer and Doug check on Zachary. He was on the couch in front of the TV. I noticed he had some spots on his hands. No bigger than the size of a tip of a pencil. And then I noticed there were some on his feet. So at this point, I'm thinking that he has hand, foot, and mouth disease. Hand, foot, and mouth disease is a common illness that usually affects infants and young children. It can cause fever, sores, and skin rash. Megan had it the year before, so we thought Zachary might be just following that. It ran its course, and she was fine in a day or two without any need for intervention. We weren't overly worried. Doug goes to work, and Jennifer remains at home to help Zachary recuperate without medication. We were watching TV on the couch, and he started complaining about his mouth hurting. And then I looked in his mouth, and there were a few white spots, just kind of like little canker sores, mostly on his tongue. I was not overly worried, being that I had had experience with this condition that I thought it was. Zachary spends the rest of the day sleeping on and off. That night, the family sits down for dinner. Zachary was not eating. You know something's wrong when that kid's appetite is gone. Asked him to open his mouth, he opened up, and the blisters, they looked bigger. and just nastier, I guess. He was definitely showing signs of pain. It started making me feel uncomfortable. But Doug withholds his concerns until after the kids go to sleep. And that night, he talks with Jennifer about Zachary's sudden illness. Doug said, should we take him to the doctors tomorrow? And I felt confident at that point that it was not necessary for him to go. I was a little uneasy, but I decided to go with her judgment. 
which is better medical judgment than I usually have. So I, you know, went along with it. The next morning, the family faces a dilemma. We went and checked in on Zach. He was looking uh, sicker. We both had to work, but my father was able to come down and look after him during the school day. I was off for the past two days, so I had a lot to catch up on, but I was feeling some guilt about leaving him. And uh, we went to work. That afternoon, Jennifer is in her office. It was a very busy day. About three o'clock in the afternoon, I received a phone call from my father-in-law. He was saying that Zachary really seems to be in a lot of pain. So I, I was worried. I decided it was time to call the pediatrician. The nurse at that point recommended a mouthwash that helps to numb the pain in the mouth. Jennifer leaves work early to pick up the medication and heads home to give it to Zachary. But the following morning, they see no improvement. Zachary was seemingly in a lot more pain, and not just in his mouth. He said that his arms and his legs hurt. I had to help him walk to the bathroom because he was that weak. I was frightened at this point. I was unsettled. I just didn't know what was going on. Doug stays home with the two older kids while Jennifer rushes Zachary to the ER. At the hospital, doctors run a battery of tests. They're inconclusive, but they do show he does not have hand, foot, and mouth disease. They had decided to admit us for observation, but he started having some breathing problems. When a child is struggling to breathe, that's a life-threatening event. Nurses put an oxygen mask on Zachary to aid his breathing. The doctor had a conversation with me that we do not have a pediatric ICU at this hospital, so we would like to transfer him. Jennifer reaches out to Doug. The call catches him off guard. She said that they were taking him down to pediatric intensive care. And that scared the living crap out of me. My wife was definitely upset. She was crying. And that made me really upset. This was probably the worst night of my life. I had wrongly diagnosed my own son, which could cost him his life. So doctors transfer Zachary to a specialist hospital and Doug joins Jennifer to be by his side. It was scary to see him with all the IVs in him. I didn't realize how fast and how much of his skin was taken over. Dr. Aaron Millstone takes on the boy's case. Whenever we see a child that comes in with a fever and a rash, it leads us to think of certain types of conditions or certain types of infections. We very carefully looked over his body to see whether or not there were any clues as to what might have been causing his illness. And we found a scratch on his wrist. So we asked his family, do you remember where this came from? And 
I mentioned that we had guinea pigs and rats. Knowing that he had a scratch and knowing that he had a rat, we diagnosed Zachary with uh, rat bite fever. I had no clue that there was such a thing as rat bite fever. Rat bite fever is caused by the bacteria Streptobacillus monoliformis. Inside Zachary's body, the Streptobacillus monoliformis bacteria are infecting his bloodstream. As the bacteria grow, they inflame his blood vessels, causing them to rupture, leading to the red dots scattered across his body. From there, the bacteria infect his tissue, leading to his debilitation, joint pain, and difficulty breathing. I do remember a day that Zachary was playing with the rats and he mentioned that he got scratched. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. What makes the Streptobacillus monoliformis bacteria so deadly is their ability to restrict blood flow to the vital organs. If untreated, the infection will gradually destroy the body's red blood cells, leading to pneumonia, organ failure, and death. I had a hard time, you know, grasping it. So, sorry, I do get... That kind of chokes me up a little bit there. That was really a rough, rough day, rough night, rough news, so... Zachary Talibur is infected with rat bite fever. Doctors administer antibiotics and keep him on oxygen. For two days, he fights for his life. I wouldn't give up on him. That's all it is to it. I wouldn't give up on him. Then, his family notices a significant improvement. He said he wanted pancakes for lunch, and he actually ate them all, which was the first time he ate a full meal in probably four days. I could tell he was getting better. I felt immensely relieved. Streptobacillus monoliformis bacteria are typically carried by rats, mice, and gerbils, although these creatures don't usually develop symptoms. Humans can contract the bacteria through a bite or a scratch from an infected carrier or exposure to its excrement or saliva. Doug and Jennifer have the rats treated and find a new home for them. A few days later, Zachary leaves the hospital and he makes a fast rebound. I feel great now. Really great. Happy face. Because I love my home. Today, Zachary has made a 100% recovery back to normal now, and that's the way we like them. It was a family journey that taught us not to take anything for granted. Because of a rise in the popularity of pet rats, children now account for over 50% of rat bite fever cases in the U.S. Nationwide, more than 200 cases have been documented, but many go unreported. To prevent rat bite fever, the CDC recommends avoiding rodents altogether. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.